Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us. As we explore the mysteries of Scripture. The realm of God. And freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a fresh episode of the cast. Today we're doing something a little different than anything we've done so far. So I'm going to turn it over to Stephen to tell us where this special episode is headed. Hey, Snakebirds. It's great to be with you today, as always. Always. And today's episode is one that Josh and I have both been praying about. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've come to a point where a good thing must come to an end. And while we've both been extremely blessed to host the Snakebird podcast, we now realize that we, we've come to a point um, where we have to continue the podcast as <laughs> summer is coming to an end. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going with this? I can't even do it with a straight face. (laughs) little jokey there. Um, We we are continuing the podcast, but um, we're playing off of the title of the episode. And uh, that's right, guys. Summertime is starting to close as we prepare for school, and even the trees are preparing for the fall season where the leaves will soon die and fall to the ground in flying colors. But today's episode, we're going to be centered on the seasons in a Christian's life, whether good or bad, that come to an end. Yes, it's time to drain the pools, inflate the footballs, and get ready for your mom sticking her hand down the back of your pants to see if they're going to fit for school as you go clothes shopping. Do you, do you have any of those uh, nightmares? <laughs> I, I can't say I have, Josh. You, okay, all right. I was wondering where that was I'm going. I'm still traumatized. You go into the, you go into the fitting room yes. wearing your new school clothes, you know, you're trying them on, and then your mom goes, come here, and she grabs the back of the waistband and she's seeing how much room there is maybe it was so traumatizing i've blocked it out yeah i wouldn't blame you yeah probably, probably so i still remember that sounds, that. that sounds like something a yeah would do. and then of course i remember getting my new outfit and being like this is gonna be the coolest thing and then wearing it to school and nobody notices <laughs> yeah <laughs> you look back at all those pictures and you're like i'm so out of style now anyway oh so, yeah yeah okay yeah my mom sometimes would to save money would like make me my shirts and it'd be that goofy wolf <laughs> with the moon behind it or something <laughs> Look like such that's, a nerd. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that that would probably be very retro and classic these days. Yeah, that's true. It always comes full circle. Exactly, know? yeah. Bell bottoms and all. <laughs> and bullets. <laughs> anyway, so this episode today, uh, like I said, it's going to be centered on the seasons in a Christian's life uh, that come to an end. But let not your heart be troubled, because as good as our God is, He always prepares us for new seasons, opens new doors, always paving the way for us before we even get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you're leaving or entering a season in your life, listener, where you're excited, scared, maybe you don't even know what to think about it as um, new things are coming to pass. And in this episode, we're going to be diving into things we as Christians should consider while approaching such change. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that we're doing this at the end of the summer because it feels like we're moving from one season to another. But I believe for almost anyone, uh, you could listen to this at any time because we're always in flux. Something's always changing. And sometimes it's big situations in our lives and Mm -hmm. other times it's, it's little. Yeah, that's true. And we thought, what greater time to do an episode like this as summer's coming to end? And I was like, hey, let's do a joke. It's act like we're quitting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking of some of the other podcasts I've seen where I'm like, oh, 
that really was the end. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we've got a big announcement, and that announcement is we're quitting. And you're like, no, oh my gosh, wow. In case I didn't make it more clear, we are not quitting. Yes, (laughs) we are not. You will see a new episode uploaded next Tuesday. That's right. So, um, yeah, so change can be scary, can it, Josh? It can be. Um, This idea of God coming into our lives uh, as a season's ending and either completely uprooting us in some cases or or even just slightly adjusting our current path, um, it's found in a lot of different stories throughout Scripture. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think of like Noah building the ark, Abraham being completely uprooted from his culture, Moses out of Egypt, Joseph, Jonah, the apostles. I mean, there's a ton of examples in Scripture where this happens. And, um, you know, we're we're definitely going to be pulling from some biblical examples. We're going to list every single one of them. Yeah, a part one of, of the lot. Of 900. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to be Yeah. But, um, you know, just thinking about the modern person in the various areas where things come to an end and we have to change even the slightest direction in our lives, that can be scary. Uh, As we get older, we have these routines, habits that make us really comfortable, and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But we can also look back on our lives and, and see if changes had not happened, then we wouldn't be the people we are today. Yeah. And uh, so I, I would just ask you to keep that in mind as we get into some of the specifics and the stories um, that the journey our lives take is pivotal to the destination. It is. It's funny because I've uh, come across a quote a few times that the only person who likes a change is a wet baby. <laughs> and, and, and even then, for some recent experiences that I've had, they struggle with that, too. They're like, what What are you doing to me? Absolutely. I, I, I mean, my kids are like nine and ten now, but yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anybody, any age is like, hey, we're going to make a change. And of course, our first instinct is like, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one quick example that I would mention, too, is from nature. I don't, I don't know if you've ever tried to grow a garden or anything, Josh, but Vanessa and I, we don't have green thumbs, either of mm-hmm. us at all. Uh, there's been so many times that we've tried, we've, we've had this like perfect idea of how we wanted our landscape to look and we'll plant these different plants and we'll micromanage the growth and nine times out of 10, most of the stuff dies. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sitting there on the porch pouting only to look over and see a pecan sprout likely dropped there by a digested, you know, seed from a bird, <laughs> you know, growing through the concrete and thriving with no attention from us. Yeah. And the point is that micromanaging growth and forcing situations in our lives to remain as we see fit, it can be unfruitful. Um, sometimes it's the struggle and change that helps us grow the most, uh, mm-hmm. stepping out of the box, so they say. Yeah, yeah. My wife is the grower. I, I don't even know if I could grow weeds if I had them. Because, <laughs> I mean, she just, I think we're getting squashed this summer. And uh, nice. she's going strong with that. And it's all good, man. Fried squash is the bomb. Yes. I don't know if you've had it, but it's good. Yeah. Zucchini, but it needs a little bit of ranch. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, Texas ketchup. It needs to be baptized in ranch. <laughs> have you heard that, Texas ketchup? Yes, I That's have. It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, change can lead to growth, but I mean, a lot of times we're just so uh, adverse to it. 
I I found this um, philosopher. I thought it was really interesting because so many of his quotes have to deal with change, and I, I wanted to share it as we get into this. Um, his name is Heraclitus, which ah, is just fun to say. Yes, it is. Um, he has a few different quotes. I'm going to read them. There is nothing permanent except change. And then he said another one that's pretty similar. The only thing that is constant is change. True. Uh, all is flux. Nothing stays still. He said change alone is unchanging. And then he also said it is in changing that we find our purpose. Okay. Yeah. That's some very proverb-like. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he was kind of dissed on by a lot of uh, biographers, but now he's come back to where people are like, oh, he, he made some good points as a philosopher. Yeah. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah, yeah. And he did. He did there. Yeah. And I, I thought just talking about change, we'd bring up a couple of pop culture references. Okay. Uh, one, I could hear God saying this, but mostly it was Marty McFly in Back to the Future because <laughs> he said, all right, guys, uh, listen, this is a blues ref and B, watch me for the changes and try to keep up, okay? <laughs> nice. <laughs> because sometimes I feel like that's what God is saying is watch me for the changes and just keep up. Yeah. You know, and then of course- Well done, sir. <laughs> you can't get away from Rocky Four where um, Rocky in his beaten state as he's just taken on Ivan Drive makes a speech that ends the Cold War because he looks out at his Russian crowd and he says, if I could change and you could change, then we all could change. And then, of course, we know the American flag dropped and the Rocky yeah. theme started playing and then there was freeze frame and, and he was like, yeah. I'm loving the movie references. Those are great. It's making me want to go binge these. Yeah, yeah. But no one almost introduced change better than our great philosopher from the Bible, King Solomon, who wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter three, uh, I'll just read it. The birds yeah. summarized it in song. I can't ever uh, read this without thinking of that silly song. <laughs> but he said, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, even if you have a black thumb, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And I feel like him saying all those things, even though he's just like, there's this and then there's the adverse, there's this and then there's the adverse, yeah. the opposite of it. I feel like uh, in his wisdom, he just realized that seasons are going to change and that change is imminent and it's always coming and the better suited that we are for it the the more well off that we're going to be especially if we can just roll with the punches and i feel like that is essential to christianity and christian growth that's true because it you know change it can it can look from our point of view very very dim and then other times very joyful but mm -hmm. just knowing how to like you said roll with the punches and uh, what was it that Paul said? To be content in everything, yes. in, in all things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where we get one of those verses that's quoted maybe in the shakiest of contexts at all times where he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. And he was more talking about having a lot or having a little yeah. and not lifting a car with one hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
but to just be able to to be joyful in in knowing that you're in Christ, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Regardless if it's uh, up or down. Yes. So. Yeah. And one of the verses that came to my mind um, in this topic would be Isaiah forty three nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, "For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it?" I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I was kind of stuttering on myself because it's the New Living Translation. <laughs> but I like the way they put it. Yeah, yeah. They have a good way sometimes. Um, and it's one of those verses that I think everyone's heard a lot. And in it, too, has its own context. Uh, but I also feel like it's pretty versatile, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned context just like you because it, it's important not to cherry pick verses to say things. Uh, you know, for example, in that verse, to use it justifying doing something God's not calling you to. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, while this new thing that, that God speaks of in Isaiah 43, it's it's talking about freeing Israel from bondage. But God leads up to that statement with a call to look back on what he did in Egypt for their ancestors and to consider the the mighty things of the past. And he's asking that age to consider what he's doing presently. And I love that God sets it up that way because we, too, have the privilege of looking back Mm -hmm. to Isaiah's time and stand on that same knowledge that they did. You know, our God guides. Our God does not forget us. Our God will also do a new thing in our lives as we trust him to guide us into whatever waters lie ahead. Yeah, yeah. You made me think of, like, the Lord saying, hey, I'm going to do something, but just so you know that you can trust me, here's my resume of everything that I've done in the past. Yeah. And he's like, have I ever failed you? Uh huh. And we can look back and say, no, of course you haven't. Yeah. That kind of makes me think of when Jesus was like, if you don't believe me, believe these miracles. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, did you need a further sign? Yeah. Yeah. My track record stands good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I come with references. Yeah. And and they're all your heroes, the prophets. Maybe you've heard of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. He didn't. No, he didn't say that. He was very humble. But I just I appreciate that God when He shows, hey, I'm doing something new. Mm-hmm. Let me show you what I've done, so you can put your trust in me moving forward. Which, of course, He's always proved Himself so true. And, and I love how God does that for us because we as humans, we we're always give me a sign. How do I know you're trustworthy? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and He does do that for us. Yeah. And I I mean, not always, but we can look in the past and we can stand on that. Yeah. Cause I mean, you talk about Gideon who's got the fleece and he's like, yeah, do dry and then dry and do it. It's like, yeah, do, do man, you are, you are pushing it. God did it too. Yeah. And he did. And I I don't know. Is that, I'm sure it's case by case. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Well, I know that the title of this episode sounds like good things coming to an end, But that's usually only the way it looks to us before we see the destination that God has planned in our journey. Mm -hmm. And so I I had to bring up the Isaiah 43, 19, right from the the get-go, because it's such a great foundation to remember, you know, approaching new things that lie ahead, remembering who our God has been in the past and who we know he will be in the future. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me think of the... um... 
illustration that people have used about God seeing the whole parade, whereas we're just onlookers in one specific spot. And we see just that little portion of what's in front of us. But God is looking at the beginning and the end. He knows all of what's coming. And we may not see what's coming. And so we don't understand why Mm -hmm. this change is happening around us. And sometimes why he's allowing these things to happen in our lives where it's like, this this seems like it's going to hurt me or this seems like it's going to not go the way that I've hoped it would. And yet God is doing something uh, new. I had an instant flashback to how I hornswoggled my son to get on the Judge Roy scream at Six Flags. Oh, he kept on looking at the roller coaster. He's like, "That's not the one we're getting on, is it?" Uh, no, no, nobody. That's not the one. And we get there, and I'm like, "Okay, so this is the one we're getting on, but it's going to be fine." Yeah. <laughs> and now he can't stop talking about what an oh, awesome roller coaster yeah. that was. Wow. Yeah. So. And he he wouldn't have ever he wouldn't have ever gotten on it had he known that was what he was getting on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Of course, um, God's not going to lie to us like I did my child. But. No. It, can I can I reference another Heraclitus quote? You probably should. I didn't expect to be able to bring this one, but uh, he said this, and I know that with God, um, God is not necessarily bringing anything that's bad upon us. We realize that we live in a fallen world. Um, so with that in just mind, this is what he said. He said, to get everything you want is not a good thing. Disease makes health seem sweet. Hunger leads to the appreciation of being full. Tiredness creates enjoyment of resting. Oh, well. You know, and I was thinking about, it's not the deepest statement I've ever heard, but to me, if we always got everything that we ever wanted, what we would be uh, creating is just a bunch of comfortable Christians. And, And I have a lot of thoughts towards the end on why comfort in our Christianity is actually a very dangerous thing. Yeah, it sure can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of even that scripture, um, I can't remember exactly how it, how it states or the address, but uh, to someone who's hungry, even the bitter tastes sweet. Mm. Um, that's, that's kind of that, that thing. If you always have the sweet of life, yeah. then, then everything is bland. Yeah. But if you have ups and downs, you learn to appreciate mm-hmm. a little more. I think that's kind of what he was getting at, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's the context of what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's I like that quote. What is this this philosopher's name again? Heraclitus. Heraclitus. Yeah, right, I'm gonna have to look him up. Yeah, I, he sounds like a wise guy. I read 82 of his quotes today. <laughs> Good. <grief>. <laughs> Parse through it. And it's it's Walk really away any wiser. I I don't know. I like that he said the same man will never step into the same river. Because what he was saying was like, you're always going to be a different person and the water is always going to be in a different place. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I just... That's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm like, okay, all right, this dude, <laughs> he probably earned his money through just being a philosopher. And I'm like, yeah, right. they, that, that quote should have paid him for about a month, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Well, um, I know with the idea of embracing change, I wanted to bring some bird's eye examples of how it was done correctly in the Bible through some different characters. Um, Obviously, we won't go too deep in each story because these are going to be future profiles, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, the first one I thought of was Joseph. And uh, Josh, I'm sure you have a couple too. Yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, you want me to go ahead and hop in Joseph? Please. Okay, so at the beginning of Joseph's story, we see a young man who seems to have it made. 
uh, he's the favorite son of a very wealthy man. He's treated better than all of his other siblings. Uh, we see that distinguished through his robe of many colors. And the kid just has everything in the world going for him. But little does Joseph know that God has a series of drastic changes ahead of him that are going to rock his world. And one would think, with the next changes in Joseph's life, that a good thing was certainly coming to an end. Mm. Um, He goes from the favorite son of a rich man to being betrayed by his own brothers. They sold him into slavery. Um, And that's about as life-changing as it gets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Forget losing your wealth and living on the streets. Joseph didn't even have the luxury of living on the streets. He was like a a piece of livestock that would be sold to the highest bidder. And for most people, that would be a point of giving up. Uh, It would seem like a point of no return. But the choices Joseph made in the beliefs and stance he chose to cling to moving forward are the very attributes that God used to take Joseph from a slave to second in command of the greatest superpower on earth. Wow. And we're obviously, we're not going to get into the details. Um, because, Why not? No, I can't, Because I can't wait for us to <laughs> yeah, actually do that profile. For real. But, uh, you know, the journey, it didn't happen overnight in Joseph's life by any means. No. Um, he rose up from being treated like livestock to yet another prominent position, only to go through another season of pain as he was thrown into prison for something he didn't do. And the roller coaster of ups and downs for many years in Joseph's life would tempt any of us to throw in the towel. But Joseph never did. Did he have some really bad days? I'm sure he did. But he made that intentional choice, no matter how dark things got, to stand on the promises of God that were made known to him in his early days, mm-hmm. who he knew God was, what God said he was going to do. Yeah. And uh, eventually God raised him out of the pit that he had been in for so long, and, and Joseph's faithful and childlike faith in God, it, it paid off in the end. And one verse that I would bring up here is 1 Corinthians ten thirteen that says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And um, we know that God doesn't tempt us. Uh, there's some there's some things to dive in there uh, word-wise. But, but for anyone out there who might be in one of those changes in life where things seem very dark, I would encourage you to embrace whatever God's doing in your life through a constant seeking, depending Mm -hmm. and following after God. And he will pave a way for you, even if the weight seems unbearable. He won't allow it to go so far that you break. Mm -hmm. If you trust in him and in his strength, uh, move forward. He'll give you the strength to get through whatever it is. Even if you can't see that light at the end of the tunnel, you will eventually. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a great example of change. Yeah. And, uh, even even that verse in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, uh, just illuminates so much when uh, Jacob dies finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's passed, and then the brothers, all of his brothers are like, okay, now the boom is going to drop. Yeah, And they come to him, and they're like, please don't kill us. And he's like almost... He's offended that they're asking this. He's almost crying because he's like, why would I? No. And he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. 
And that's a guy that rolled with change. No kidding. I mean, just... The story of Joseph is a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah. And I love that he's one of the only characters in the Bible that has really no blemishes against him. Yeah. Like, nothing that's said is like, hey, he did this wrong. And I, I, I think another character that we could point to from someone who rolled really well in the Old Testament with uh, change is Daniel. Oh, for sure. I mean, you think about Daniel, all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and sieges Jerusalem and, and takes it by um, basically by force over however many years this siege took. But then all of a sudden, as he is able to conquer them, he takes the best of the people which includes Daniel and his three buddies, and he puts them into his own service as eunuchs. Yeah. And just story after story of Daniel, not only um, rolling with changes, but also standing his ground for the Lord. And I mean, we're not going to eat what you asked us to eat, but we want to still honor you and still um, abide by what you're asking us to be. Respect you as the ruler of this land. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But even then, when they told him he couldn't pray, he's like, I'm still going to pray. And look how God worked that out. And, you know, there's just so many instances of, of this man who's like... Uh, such a great hero in the Bible because um, when change came, you never see him just throw up his arms and go like to God and just goes, wah, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> no you kidding. Because I think for me, I'd be like, please, can we take that chapter out of me, like going out in the middle of nowhere and just be like, what, what have I done to you? Oh, yeah. God, you know. <laughs> well, and I think even at the beginning of that story, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar really did his best to change mm-hmm. everything in yes. their life. In order to get them into his culture, indoctrination, even, even their names, mm-hmm. he tried to give them Babylonian names. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel was changed to what was it, Be- Belteshazzar mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, and we even call uh, Hananiah, uh, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Exactly, you know, yeah, Abednego, he, because he he tried to just mentally and psychologically change. From I mean, talk about minute little things mm-hmm. trying to change someone. Yes, but um, he, like you said he stood his ground yeah yeah and and in the midst of that change look what god did yeah through him yeah yeah and, and there's some things that he he i'm sure in in a lot of these characters they had to allow the change in their life in other areas they stood their ground you mm-hmm. know there's you know i now consider you the ruler of this land where it was this person yes. you know there's some things you there's some give and take in change mm-hmm. i guess yeah is what yeah. I'm saying. yeah yeah for sure Well, the story about um, Joseph and Daniel, those are both stories where changes were forced upon them. Uh, They didn't have much choice in some of the stuff that happened to them, but they made the proper choices beyond that to to cope properly and all Mm -hmm. of that and and move forward healthily Um, within these forced changes. They didn't give up. And the next thing that I was thinking about was change that someone is being called into that they can either fight against or they can embrace the path Okay. um, through a faith of just stepping out into the unknown where God's pulling them towards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joseph didn't have the luxury of saying yes or no to some of those changes. But in the next example I thought of... um, they did, and that would be Nicodemus. Um, I'll admit, I could have brought so many different examples for choosing a change in direction, like Zacchaeus, the Apostles, so many others, but the story of Nicodemus, it really kept tugging at me for whatever reason, so I went with him. 
And Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin and a known teacher of the law. He would have been considered uh, very, very upper class in the Jewish community. In fact, he was um, considered one of the three richest men in Jerusalem at the time. Mm. And as I said before, we're we're not going to get too deep into the character because uh, we don't want to ruin a future profile. But we know Nicodemus to be the Pharisee who requested that late-night interview with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever heard the story from the pulpit, you've likely heard the cheesy Nick at Night joke. So (laughs) maybe that'll trigger your memory if you were trying to think. Which I just feel bad about because the older generation goes, Nick at Night? Yeah, I remember that. But the younger people are like, what what does that mean? It's hit or miss. If they went to church a lot, they might have kept, you know, heard Maybe, yeah. I just, I mean. (laughs) My grandpa told me that Well, Nickelodeon, Nick at Night. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was all the old black and white shows. (laughs) But it it seemed that old Nick really did believe Jesus to be sent from God. He was just torn because of the environment all around that was pulling away from yet also toward Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in that late night meeting, Jesus told Nicodemus uh, the mysteries of being born again and um, that he must be raised up on the cross. And that led to the famous John three sixteen. There's a lot of lot of um, milestone statements in that. Uh, Jesus just lays out a lot of mysteries to this renowned teacher of the law, mm. and what this was for Nicodemus, it was a call into new things. Um, just as the prophets, Nicodemus had studied his whole life, like Jeremiah in uh, Jeremiah thirty one thirty three. All of that pointed to to Christ, to Jesus Himself. And what Jesus was saying to him that night, that that time that they, they met together is, here I am, I'm the way, I'm calling you to new things. And this really would have been an end to Nicodemus's wealthy life in the world or in the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have been a much greater wealth in the kingdom of God. And I, Josh, I don't know if you've seen the the newer show called The Chosen. I know there's some mixed reviews about the show, but uh, they they really nailed this psychological back and forth that was probably going on in Nicodemus's head because Jesus made it so clear what the right path was. Yet Nicodemus had so many things, including the life that he was raised to believe was righteous, pulling at him. Mm-hmm. There was a choice to be made. Does he continue in the norm? Or does he step out in faith and follow the Messiah that had been prophesied of for so long? Mm -hmm. And in the show, there was this scene where Nicodemus was just around the corner of a building, just weeping in agony over this choice. And Jesus, knowing what was going on around the corner, he just whispers, you were so close. And, of course, we don't know for sure what Nicodemus chose in the end. There, There's some divided thoughts, and I know there's some church history. But I just really thought that um, that story was such a great insight into the choices we have to make as well when it comes to following the path um, or calling that God is laying on our hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have somebody that—Nicodemus was a very prominent leader that everyone recognized. And he was sitting here, God's calling him— Yeah, but Messiah just showed up. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that means? The law, the sacrifices, all of that is going out the window. And he was being called into something very scary, Mm -hmm. but the right way. Yeah. So that is just something that that really um, stuck out to me when I was thinking about Nicodemus' story. And if you've seen that scene in The Chosen, it's a really heart-gripping scene. Wow, yeah. He's just like, you were so close. (laughs) I've been calling you. Yeah. Just embrace that change. Yeah, and, and you can see, because in that scene where he's crying in agony, you I felt it because I've been in, in moments in my life where I'm just sitting here as like, I think I know what you want me to do, but 
this is going to change so much of my life. Yeah. And uh, it just is one that I that really got laid on my heart for the topic. Yeah. Well, I was I was also thinking of um, another example, kind of like you said, of somebody who could have uh, resisted that change, but just decided to step out into something new. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that I thought was Samuel, because oh, he yeah. he was kind of thrust into the service of being a priest, and and he got to go serve with Eli, and and there's that story of like, you know, Samuel, and he's like, I he goes over to Eli, and he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, I didn't call you, and yeah. then here, you know, it happened a couple other times, and he's like, finally, just say, here I am, Lord, what do you have to say to me? And and we realized that all throughout his life, he was called to be dedicated to God. And later on, uh, the children of Israel want to go from a theocracy where God rules them to a monarchy. And you look at Samuel, instead of resisting, he says, hey, I'm going to go with this change. I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I don't think it's best for the people, but I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. Um, One of the things that I thought about was even like Peter when the gospel was called to go to the Gentiles, you know, we just did this profile not too long ago when God said to Peter, rise, Pete, kill and eat. Don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. I mean, what a step of faith for him to go out and be like, I'm walking into this Gentile's home yeah. to roll with this. And I realized that for him, his whole life, he'd been raised not to go near Gentiles and to think of them as disgusting. And here he is walking in by faith going, I'm going to do what God's called me to do, which is to preach to these people and then to see them baptized with the Holy Spirit and baptized by water. Mm-hmm. I went in one different direction just as you were talking just now. I started to think of who in the Bible did we see that didn't really embrace change very well. And one of the examples that came to my mind was Hezekiah in his last days. I thought you were going to say Jonah. Oh, well, I was thinking Jonah, but I thought that's kind of too easy of a situation. Hezekiah is a good one. Because Hezekiah, man, did he love God. And boy, did he serve God. And... Even up until those last few days when he was told by a prophet, get your affairs in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah goes, it's too soon. I still have more I'd like to do. And he starts praying and God hears his prayer and he comes and they say, uh, another prophet comes and says, okay, the Lord has heard your prayer. You're going to have 15 more years uh, of life. But we realized that during those last 15 years, he didn't really accomplish much at all for good. Mm-mm. He had his son Manasseh, who ended up being one of the most wicked kings that Israel ever saw. And then he also brought in the Babylonian envoys, who he showed, he opened everything up and was like, hey, check out all our wealth, check out everything. Yeah. And when they came and said, do you realize what you've done? Now Babylon's going to come in and they're going to overrun this kingdom. And he goes, well, at least it won't happen while I'm alive. Yeah. Talk about a story of tragedy. Yeah. I I mean, that is one who he had a choice to embrace change and he could have walked with the Lord. I feel like, you know, we've talked about this. I I think he should have just accepted his fate. Yeah. I really do. I think he should have said, I'm going home. And I I realized that there is a... uh, a human nature of saying, I want to cling to life because I, I, I want to stay with what's in the known, Yeah, but still. Well, and it, it, kind of, it makes me go back to kind of what we were talking about earlier about 
if you had known what was coming, you wouldn't have taken that leave. Yes. And, and it's almost like the the 15 years, he knew exactly he had 15 more years. Mm-hmm. And that almost poisoned his thinking. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The knowledge of that yes. almost poisoned his mindset of, yeah. I've got to get this stuff in. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, he didn't know when the day was coming. That's true, yeah. And it, it's a blind, you, you don't know if it's coming today or tomorrow, but you're wow. following God either way. Yeah. That's something to think about. Yeah, I've never thought about him being one of the only men who's probably ever lived to have his death date yeah. somewhere in, in the future of, of knowledge, you know? Yeah. I, I remember junior high, my friends would try to get me to go on that website that told you how long <laughs> oh, you gosh. had left. I was like, yeah, no, yeah. no, I don't want to know. <laughs> I can't help but think of, um, oh gosh, who is it? It's it's the guy that, uh, Tim Burton, he directed Batman, of oh, course, yeah. but he directed that movie Big Fish. Mm-hmm. And they say that, you know, of course, every story that, that the dad tells to his son is blown way out of proportion or it's very uh, hyperbolized. But there's that witch that you could go look in her eye and it, you'd see like the exact moment of your death. Yeah. And I can't help but think of that. Because right. It's that's the same way. It's that that's the website. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Oh that's a that's always been a scary thing for me. I'm like, I don't want to know that. Yeah, yeah. That would be such a blessing and such a curse at the exact same time. It really would. Because you'd be like, I know exactly what I can do before I do it. Then I think I'd be miserable. Oh, I think so too. I think you'd just, every day that creeps closer to it, you'd, you'd just live in fear. and Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that'd Wild be... Wild to think about. That'd be a curse. Um, one other that I thought that embraced change well was Paul, oh, you know, yeah. Paul. And, and I use him as an example because I feel like a verse that he wrote, uh, really can apply to embracing change is, uh, of course, Paul, you know, called to, to be a, a apostle to the Gentiles. And he had such a, a drastic and dramatic life change. Um, but we even see throughout the book of Acts, there's times where he was like, I'm going over there. And God's like, you're going over there. Yeah. You know, the man from Macedonia was like, come, come over yeah. here. And Paul's like, no, I need to get to Rome and I need to get to Asia, you know. And <laughs> The Spirit forbade me to go yes, to Asia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but later on in Philippians, Paul writes this, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. To me, that speaks of change. That speaks of embracing what's coming, embracing the new, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Mm. Whatever's in the past... It's in the past. Yeah. And if God's calling me to change, to move forward, to to press on, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And and I feel like he he and all these other examples are really good examples to, to latch on to as we talk about how to embrace change as believers. That, I love that verse. That was um, the first scripture I uh, ever preached. Mm. And I remember titling it, um, All In, The Cure for Regret. Yes. And it really is because yeah. everything in your past, no matter how much you regret it or or um, 
um, or makes you sad to think about. It's the future and, and moving with the changes of God that yeah. God has for you from that point forward that's the joy of your salvation. Yeah. You know? Well, and even Solomon, in another verse from Ecclesiastes, which I forgot even existed, in Ecclesiastes 9, uh, verse 10, it says, Whatever your, your hands find to do at that moment, do it with all your might. That's a powerful scripture. Yeah. Because, I mean, it really, you can stop at any point during the day. You know, it's not like, well, this isn't in my quiet time, so mm-hmm. I don't have to be spiritual. Yes. You know? Yeah. You can stop at any point. Yeah. And I, I feel like that is a verse that talks about, hey, you know, God might bring this to you. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. God might be calling you to, you know, all of a sudden become a missionary. You know what? Maybe that's not something that you ever thought you'd be headed towards. Yeah. Do it with all your might. God might be calling you as a foster parent. Yeah. Do it with all your might. You know, change those diapers. Love on that, chi- you know, that co- that child. Love on that chillins. <laughs> love, on, love on that. Love on that child. <laughs> love on that. Love on that child. You know, show the love of Jesus. That's that's very true. I mean, that's that's the way of the Christian. I get very Mandalorian. It is the way. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. I have spoken. Just whatever, whatever you find yourself doing, um, it's it's for the Lord. Yeah, because if we're unwilling to change, we will never move forward in life. Very true. You know, and, and I feel like um, going back to Heraclitus, it's in changing that we find our purpose. Because as we grow, we expand, we become different people, which is reason to me. Eight million nine hundred thousand six hundred and seventy-five to hate cancel culture as it is in this day and age because yeah. people change. Who you are now is not the same person you are ten years ago, yeah. and the things that you said online, although they may be heinous, I, I believe fully that they may not represent who you are in this day and age. Yeah, that's so true. I've I've seen some studies on just the divorce rate and whatnot in America and. A lot of things you hear in that topic is um, they're just not the same person I married. Yeah. And, you know, none of us are. You look five, ten years down the road. Yeah. And we we do. We change. Sometimes for the worse, sometimes mm-hmm. for the better. But uh, you can't expect people not to change. Yes. It's going to happen. It's how you deal with that change. Yes. And what you're putting your effort into. True. Because for a divorce, you have to put your effort into growing together. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and you can you can embrace a wrong type of you know you can feed one or the other in yeah. change. Yeah, you're just like the feeding the carnal and spiritual nature, yeah. which is kind of an awesome segue for a direction that I wanted to go. If that's all right, yeah, go for it. Okay, so I went in the direction of dangers of not changing, and one of those, um, and I, I'm going to get back to what you just said about the people that change for the worse that are like they're just not the same person. Yeah, um, but one of those first and foremost is comfort. Comfort is the enemy of the Christian soul. Comfortable Christianity is far from the costly, inconvenient, idol-crushing, cross-shaped path that we as disciples of Jesus should have. And there are so many examples of why comfort is bad for us, because comfort means that we're not being challenged. Comfort means that we're not wrestling theologically with things in our brains. Comfort means that that we're not engaging with people at church going, 
maybe they don't agree the same way and we can still be brothers and sisters, but why are we, um, why are we having those disagreements? Comfort is maybe somebody looking at your life and saying, I haven't seen change in you in a while, you know, and mm-hmm. comfort lulls us to sleep. Yeah, It allows us to not grow as Christians. I think of times in my life where I felt like I've been comfortable. Yeah, Usually my prayer life has gone out the window. My devotions are virtually non-existent. I'm not speaking uh, God's word or life into my family or my wife. A lot of times I can look back and realize that it's in those areas where I've become lax that I've let all those things uh, fade away. It's very true. That's something, as you've walked with the Lord, you can definitely look back and say, these are red flags. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So comfort, I thought, was one of the dangers of not changing. Another thing is atrophy. Um, And it's atrophy is defined as a decline in effectiveness or vigor due to underuse or neglect. And I I guess that could be another way of saying comfort. But I was thinking of my mom who recently broke her wrist and she had to wear a cast on one of her arms for about six to eight weeks. And when uh, finally the time came for the cast to come off and the pins that set the bones to come out of her hand, we held up both wrists. And the atrophy was significant on the hand that she wasn't able to use. And it was just so evident that when we refuse to change, we refuse to grow and we refuse to become who God is wanting us to be. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, that's a powerful example. Uh, the last thing I thought is inertia. And that's a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. And I feel like in a lot of ways, these are all saying something similar, but they're all slightly different. Um, But I found this illustration, if you don't mind me reading it, uh, I thought this was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, General Electric's former CEO and management guru, Jack Welsh, believed that inertia is one of the worst traits that a person can fall victim to. And, and it's also one of the worst things that an organization can fall victim to. He says, when I've summarized what I've learned since 1981 is that people do not like change. People like the status quo. They like it the way it was. When you start changing things, the good old days look better and better. You've got to be prepared for massive resistance. Wine corks demonstrate a classic example of inertia. In the 1600s, Dom Perignon, I'm sure we've heard of that kind of wine, yeah. uh, a French monk inventor regularly used rags wrapped around wooden blocks to seal his bottles, an ineffective practice at best. Legend has it that he switched to cork stoppers after seeing Spanish travelers using tree bark to plug their water gourds. The first cork stopper factory opened in Anguin, Spain in 1750. Portugal soon picked up on the idea and remains the world leader in cork production to this day. Cork has become accepted as the primary and safest way to preserve wine in bottles for over two centuries. There was no reason to think that the cork wine stopper would ever lose its prominence. In the 1990s, chemists became concerned about an adverse chemical reaction between natural cork stoppers and alcohol that occasionally tainted the wine. Established cork manufacturers taking for granted their dominant market position were slow to respond. Other competitors took the cork taint concern seriously and surprised things changed dramatically. New cost-effective substitutes sprang up. Screw caps, plastic stoppers, and even wine boxes 
using airtight inner bags to preserve the wine's freshness. The stopper war was on. It was not a good thing for the cork stopper industry. Several Portuguese cork companies, including the second largest, went bankrupt. Hundreds of workers lost their jobs. The Portuguese government, recognizing that the cork industry as too big to fail, declared its survival a national cause. Circumstances beyond the control of the Portuguese cork manufacturers required a new approach to business. After pouring resources into improved cork tree forests and recoup market position, sales of cork stoppers slowly made a comeback. However, the hope that the cork industry reclaim its former monopoly had been erased due to two centuries of inertia. They didn't talk about the benefits of cork. They yeah. refused to see that they were having people that were tearing down their industry. And next thing you know, they refused to change and they paid the price because of it. They were too yeah. big to fail, <laughs> which I never had heard that story. I thought, wow, but that yeah. happens in our lives too. I wonder if that's going to happen with electric vehicles. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a, Yeah, that's something to think about, isn't it? It's um, if, you, if you constantly refuse it, mm-hmm. that's a scary thing. Yeah. So the one last thing that I had that I wanted to share is some advice on how to embrace change. Because I feel like our heart is always, when we bring topics like this, to bring something practical or applicable that we can take from what we've just been talking about and and really use in our lives. So I'll go through these pretty quickly. Um, One of the things is to remember that change is needed in order to grow. We've said that several times throughout this. Um, But I came across this saying that says that if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. It sounds kind of like that uh, insanity is doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's where that change comes in because you have to embrace the change in order to get something different to happen. Uh, Another thing is I think um, manage your expectations through change, you know, and, and really manage yourself through the changes how will I adjust to this new normal or how will I treat those around me with these new changes? Am I going to realize that my attitude might be more, um, I might be more on edge. I might be more stressed out. And do I need to take that into a, um, to account as I deal with my family or my coworkers, people like that? Because a lot of times I'll realize that I'm in a, in a changing situation and I look at my wife and I'm like, how could you, you know? And she's like, what did I do? And I'm like, oh, it's really, it's more about me you know, than than it is about you. And then I think another thing is communicate through the change. And, and, you know, these are all simple things, but sometimes we forget. It's like, Mm -hmm. say what's going on, whether it's to the person that you trust the most, like your wife or your spouse. Another thing is talk to God. You know, there, there's no one that says out there that you can't be real with God. In fact, I think he would prefer that because he knows our hearts anyway. I appreciate that someone once told me there's nothing that you can tell God that he's going to be surprised about. Yeah. You know, so if you're upset about a situation, there's no reason to not at least tell him and, and, and cast that care upon him because he cares for us and And, give him an opportunity to speak. And I would add that you should make a practice before you ever get to a point of coming to God, because a change has come upon you make it a point that you've been talking to him already because it'll make those transitions a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, And then another thing is that if we're wanting to see change in others, um, usually that can only happen if we've embraced change for ourselves. And I feel like, you know, especially as we're leading people and we're wanting to lead them into change, 
we just have to be ones that exemplify that. Uh, another thing is that all changes follow a definable sequence of stages. It's kind of like, um, to me, the, the five stages of grief. There's also stages of change because first there's denial. We refuse to accept the need for change. And when we've overcome denial, we move into the stage of resistance. Uh, we see the need for change, but pretty much resist it tooth and nail. That's definitely something that I've done. Oh, and yeah, then comes too. exploration because we check out what will happen if we do embrace this. And then finally comes commitment. And um, that's when we've reconciled to the changes and we're finally at peace with them. And and I've seen that where I look at something and I'm like, so stupid. How could that be? And then I'm like, well, maybe I'll just try it. And then the next thing I know, I'm an Apple user. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I'm wearing like all this stuff and I got the headphones and the swag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, discipline yourself to become knowledgeable about the change that's being forced on you. Um, if there is a change that's being forced on you, like if you're now facing some illness or disease, you know, the easier thing to do about, uh, about learning and embracing that change is to actually become more knowledgeable about it. Knowledge is essential. So become a frantic learner and discover as much as possible about uh, what you can know about it to help you change. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, be prepared for a lot of reversals and disappointments. Unfortunately, change is not a linear process. It comes in spurts and sucks back in as much as it delivers. And I think of a good example of that is, is Peter. Peter embraced change, but that didn't always stick because we find out in Galatians chapter two that he was still kind of separating himself from the Gentiles and hanging out with only the Jews. And Paul was like, uh, can we talk about this? And he confronted him to his face. That's a good example of that. Yeah. Our greatest opportunities for change are to be found in some of our times of apparent failure and disappointment. In God's eternal plan, there is no such thing as failure only growth. God may not cause bad things to happen to us, but he always uses them to fulfill his work in us. And then the last thing that I'll say just practically is never attempt any change without leaning heavily on the resources that God has provided, whether it's godly wisdom, godly counsel from other people, um, time in prayer, relying on his Holy Spirit, walking day by day, sometimes minute by minute with him. That's the only way that we're going to do it because we've seen that humanistic models for change rarely have very much effect, but it's through God's power that we can really see effective change in our lives. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think the number one thing is is the spiritual aspect for a Christian and mm -hmm. to be to be grounded in in already talking with God and in um, seeking His will through Scripture and in sharpening iron sharpening iron and brothers and sisters. Yeah, uh, there's obviously those changes that come into your life that sometimes life just happens mm -hmm. uh, type of thing. But um, that's that's really that's really where it's at in the end is. Um, there's a very spiritual aspect for a believer. Yes. Um, and listener, maybe you have some changes that you're coming up to or uh, maybe even exiting out of. Uh, maybe it's something crazy like to uproot your family for a reason that God's laying on your heart. Uh, perhaps it's a conversation you need to have with someone or maybe as simple as just a life change you need to make. Mm 
But whatever it is, uh, know that when you take the step of faith around the corner, um, Jesus is there for you. He's waiting for you, completely ready to take your hand into God's perfect will, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, will it be scary? It might. It might be a costly decision, maybe not. But one thing you're going to be able to count on is the decision to follow uh, God's will for your life. It's going to be one where you find the most peace and the most mm. quality of life. Yeah. And I really just, on my end of things, I, I just would love to reflect at the end here on on Paul's words in Philippians that, that just says that he would be content in all things, no matter what came at him. And that's that's what we really need to approach every situation with. Mm. Uh, and, and like you mentioned earlier, whatever our hands land on, whatever they find to do, do it for God, and and to be content with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a great way to embrace change is yeah. to keep those two those two concepts in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because you uh, mentioned that and all of a sudden my mind jumped to Psalm 23 and uh, just reading a little bit of it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever and I feel like that's one of the things that God's promises to us that through no matter what that through whatever change comes he's with us it's very empowering yeah he's just with us and and we might be like I I never expected this to happen yeah because that's the thing is change is going to come and we might be walking in the sunshine one day and and drowning in the darkness in the next and we don't know if that's going to happen but mm-hmm. god is going to be with us and that's a promise that he'll that he'll keep yeah you know so i just i feel like there's those people out there who one day are healthy and then the next day they get a, a terminal um type of diagnosis and they are very a, a lot of times because of the whiplash they're very upset with every circumstance around them including god yeah but that doesn't mean that God's abandoned them mm-hmm. and he never will. And and I feel so, um, so sad for those that have tragically lost someone, especially someone young or someone who passed unexpected, but that doesn't mean that God isn't still walking with them and he still doesn't care. And he still isn't present at, at every moment to be available. It's just life. Yeah. <laughs> life is hard. Yeah, and God has has a plan, mm-hmm. whether, whether you can see that ending or not. Yeah, uh, you will understand it eventually. Yes, and it sounds so cliched, but it's not. It isn't. No, it's not. So yeah. Well, that's you know, guys, that's some of the change that was put on our hearts. <laughs> yeah. There's obviously there's so much more that could be brought to the topic. Um, that's just a little bit that God put on our hearts, and we would hope that you'd reach out if there's um. There's an angle of, of this you'd like us to go into into deeper, or uh, if you just need to reach out and, and have us pray for you. Yeah, we'd love for you to reach out. Yeah, if 
if this is just you going through something that it's not just the end of summer and yeah. mom trying your clothes on or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> not mom trying your clothes on, but you having to, <laughs> that's a that weird, might be a change that'd be a weird change. Too. Yeah. But mom observing your summer clothes or whatever that is, that's, that's a, my nightmare. I'm sorry to, to <laughs> don't put that evil on me. Um, but wh- whatever it is, if you're going through something and you're like, hey, guys, I'm having a tough time through this, or I just need prayer, or I need somebody to walk through this with me, please reach out. I mean, yeah. we would love to hear your story. And we realize that, again, we're just grasping a snippet of what could be said about this topic. Oh, yeah, it really but is. it is what God put on our hearts. As you say, sucking the ocean through a straw, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it yeah. feels like on these topics. But, yeah. Um, um, yeah, reach out, and you can do that by emailing us at uh, connect at beasnakebird.com mm-hmm. or message us uh, via Facebook, yes. and, uh, and we get back to you as soon as we can. Yeah, yeah. And as our podcast is not ending, we would love to ask <laughs> yeah. that if you will, uh, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, or if you want to go an even further way that just really helps uh, grow the show and, and make it available to that many more people, uh, please leave a review and a rating. That would be awesome. That would help us out a lot. We would yeah. be very appreciative. Yeah. So, Snakebirds, always remember whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to embrace God's change in your life and be a Snakebird. the proper choices within those force changes um typo <laughs> baby. typo <Okay>. baby <laughs> <laughs> other competitors took the court taint the co- <laughs> <laughs> do you have a cork taint sorry <laughs> circumstances beyond the control of the pork of pork Pork, pork and pork beans. Geese. Pork and geese. Better time to embrace God's change in your life. And be a snake bird. <laughs> <laughs>